Here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. I'm so excited to bring you this interview with Morgan Mackenzie Moore from How to Celiac. She was forced to give up gluten entirely when she was diagnosed with celiac disease only weeks before moving from New Zealand to England. It's two and a half years on and she is still there baking up a gluten-free storm in her London apartment and sharing it all online. In today's episode, Morgan talks about her diagnosis, the inspiration behind her online community, How to Celiac, how having the coronavirus is still affecting her taste buds, and offers a message of hope to those who are celiac but still want to go out to restaurants and travel the world, but you know, after the pandemic of course. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to That's So Chronic. This is the perks of doing it through the internet. Morgan is in London, England at the moment, so this is very exciting. Now, we've known each other since drama school, but I feel like our friendship really blossomed and we <laughs> bonded over Instagram and when we went out for our dinner date yes. in London a couple of years ago. Yes, 100%. Now, you have started and have created this incredible community online called How to Celiac. You've got over 5,000 followers on your Instagram, YouTube and Facebook and if my internet stalking is correct, I think you might have just been named as Celiac NZ's latest ambassador. How did you know? That would have been hard to find. I only, I sort of expected that more to be, more to talk about that um, in November because they've got uh, all of their magazines and their calendars coming out. But yes, very lucky that they've reached out to me and asked me to be sort of an international ambassador for mm, young people, I guess, that are dealing with celiac disease. So what is your definition of celiac disease? So celiac disease, from from my research, obviously I'm not a trained professional or researcher, but Celiac disease is an autoimmune disease, which um, is when your body reacts to when you ingest gluten. When you ingest gluten, your immune system starts to attack the area where the gluten would be absorbed in your in your stomach and your in your small intestines. So, in your stomach, you've got these lovely little things called veli, which are like finger-like tentacles, if you will, that line your stomach and small intestines that take all the good nutrients out of food. Um, and process them into your body, into your bloodstream. Um, and so your immune system, when you eat gluten, starts attacking that area. Oh, wow. Um, and it makes those little veli sh- sort of shrink, sort of flatten, and you're no longer able to absorb any good nutrients. So that leads to a lot of deficiencies, like all sorts of vitamins. I think it's vitamin B12, A, D, K, I think to name a few. Folate, you can get anemia, um, the longer you go undiagnosed, the more, I'd say, the worsened symptoms you can get 
can lead to stuff like infertility if you're trying for it to have a child down the line you can get osteoporosis you can get different types of bowel and stomach cancers um, if it goes untreated but once you treat that with a lifelong gluten-free diet you're you're rid of symptoms your stomach can heal again and you can start absorbing nutrients what actually is gluten so gluten is a protein um, that is found in barley wheat rye and malt Uh, and it's just the way it's made up um, it's, there is a very similar protein called avenin in oats, which means that some celiacs also react to oats, which sort of is just, I, I suppose, telling us that it, it's, the, it's the makeup of it that our immune system is sort of reacting to. It's going, oh, that's a foreign sub- substance that should not be entering the body. We're going to go attack it. Gluten's also like this thing that sort of holds stuff together. Mm-hmm. especially in baking yes um, so, so when so you'll find when you are making gluten-free foods um, without that gluten you have to put you have to either replace it with some other sort of gum or like xanthan gum or agar-agar but yeah or otherwise just have a very crumbly bake however you'd like to have it it's just a protein that's very sticky what was your diet like before you realized? Like, we'll talk about your celiac diagnosis, but I'd love to jump all the way back before you were diagnosed mm. and what you were eating. Like, what was your normal diet like? Fair enough. Um, so, because we both went to drama school, you'll Jess, you'll be familiar with the countdown across the road. Yes. Um, which ha- which sold those lovely little bread scrolls. Um, they had cheese and herb, you know, garlic and cheese, garlic and herbs, you know, bread rolls from Countdown that were like a dollar. Um, so I'd have them about every day. <laughs> um, I'd eat a lot of pasta. Not what to be fair, I it, it's things I could easily switch out um, for non gluten things, but I did eat a lot of gluten, and I did kind of. It took me a very long time to realize that that was what was making me sick as well. But yeah, it was a big dietary change for me because I love bread and I love baking. (laughs) Like I worked, I used to work in a bakery, like my first job from like 15, 16, 17, I worked in a bakery and they were like, eat whatever you want. And I was like, I'll take that as an open invitation. I had pies and pastries (laughs) and all of that. Like I I love, I love pastry actually. (laughs) The the one thing when I got told I had the celiac disease, the the thing I thought of the most was just croissants. It just kept going up in my brain. Like you can't have a croissant again. Like that's all I cared about. I was like, oh my God, I've got to go. I've got to go find a croissant right now. And little did you know that you would be able to go to Paris and have incredible gluten-free croissants. I have had yes. some really good ones there. <laughs> yes, they are good in Paris. I'd say probably, uh, and Italy does really good gluten-free food as well. And there is one place in London that does pretty good pastries. But for me, I just don't think you'll ever be able to get an exact replica of a croissant that's gluten-free. I just think we have to accept it. That's just part of that's just part of having celiac disease. You've just got to, you know, let it go. So what prompted you to go to the doctor about all of this in the first place? Well, um, if you don't mind talking about bowel movements. I um, know, oh this is a safe the- place. You can talk about <laughs> this all you want. wonderful so before diving into that um I did get bloated a lot but I think bloating is a term that gets thrown around a bit oh I'm so bloated because you're full or I'm so bloated people just saying oh I've eaten bread I'm bloated and so I just thought oh 
that's just a normal part of everyday life. I didn't realize how bad my bloating was because I was just like, oh, whatever, it is what it is. And so that was one thing that started to go like, well, should you be having this bloating and these stomach cramps like every day of your life? And then the second part was that for at least since I was 16 or 17, I'd never had regular bowel movements. I was either constipated or had diarrhea like it, there was no in between wow and I and it took me four four or five years to realize hey you know people people don't live like this like you can have regular bowel movements I'm sure and so before moving to London I was like oh let's just go to my GP like one last time and let her know what's going on and see if there's anything that can be done about it. Because if there is, like that would be that would be a really nice lifestyle change for me because I had not only really bad bowel movements but really bad flatulence. It was just horrible, especially before performance performance pracs at NASDA. Yeah, <laughs> they oh were yeah, it was just the worst. Like I'd always oh my god. And like being yeah, and having that sort of nervousness. And so that's what prompt that was the one that prompted me to go to the GP. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for listening to your poo. I think it can tell you so much about your health. If you sort of know now I know what's normal for me. And if you're if you've got a good sense of your baseline bowel mm-hmm. movements <laughs> and you can sort of pick up like, oh maybe especially food wise, or maybe I shouldn't be eating this, or maybe I should, you know, try not have dairy um obviously it's always best it's always best to talk to a nutritionist and gp as soon as you know those changes so i was very lucky getting diagnosed because i ate bread pretty much up until i went to the doctors i think it was like a week before i was gonna i said oh i'm gonna try not have gluten and see how i feel because i had a sneaky suspicion it was the gluten i ate pasta so much oh wow yeah well I I think I just was like, well, I I do eat a lot of pasta and a lot of bread. And it was always, I do remember specifically one time having pasta for dinner and being like, whoa, I am so bloated. And it was about half an hour after I'd eaten. I was like, it's definitely got to be that. Um, So I was just like, oh, just cut it out for a week or two weeks. And then um, I was like, oh, I actually feel a lot better. I wasn't very stringent. Like I didn't look at the back of packages. I just sort of picked things that were naturally gluten-free and yeah I didn't I didn't worry about things that were like may contain Mm -hmm. so it was just like a a gentle gluten-free diet if you will and then when I went to the doctor once again I was very lucky that my doctor suggested a test for celiac disease um straight off the bat like she thought oh your mum my mum's got IBS um of course the symptoms of IBS are incredibly similar to symptoms of celiac disease it's almost impossible to tell them apart at face value Mm -hmm. and same with gluten intolerance or sometimes even wheat allergies can present the same and so she's like you've probably got that because your mum's got it and I was like okay IBS that's all right she wanted me to try a FODMAP diet and then right at the end of the um, appointment she's like but I will go get you tested for celiac disease just in case it's just a blood test and it will tell you if you've got that like antibodies or whatever and I was like okay that's weird um never heard of it what's that yeah. who knows doesn't matter didn't really think about it and she's like but to have the test you have to be eating gluten like you have to have it and just go back to the, how you used to eat and I was like oh okay that's fine because I kind of knew that that was what made me sick 
So I was like, oh, they'll be a bit uncomfortable. But um, I actually worked in the office with some people that were working for the guy that ran cookie time. (laughs) (laughs) And they they had just this constant supply of cookies. And I'd been like, oh, no, I won't because, you know, I'm trying this gluten-free thing. So when she told me that, I was like, right, where are the cookies? Give me like seven. <laughs> I'll eat. I just, I need to. It's for the doctor said yeah, I have to important. eat these cookies. Like, <laughs> it's important. I have to. So, um, I did start eating gluten again, got the blood test, and they're like, oh, looks like you've got celiac disease. So, two and a half years ago, even in the short amount of time, they're, they're beginning to change what's the normal process for diagnosing. But two and a half years ago, it was you get a blood test, you get the initial results. Yes, like you probably have it or no, you don't have it at all. And then they'll send you for a a biopsy, a stomach biopsy, in, endoscop- endoscopy. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Endoscopy? End- endoscopy? I guess that's the one. Um, a stomach biopsy, and uh, which... I was like, okay, cool. And she's like, you've got to keep eating gluten. She actually was like, it will be in six weeks time. And I was like, oh, I'm actually moving to London in four weeks time. And so she was like, okay, it will be next week. Oh, wow. Let's just get into it. She's like, you've got to, you've got to really ramp up the gluten now though, because like you, you can't tell if you've got celiac disease, if you've not been eating gluten because your stomach is, your body's always healing itself or trying to heal itself. So as soon as you go off it, the, your little stomach failure, like, oh, I see the light of day. Oh, We're back. God. Um, I'm literally like oh thank god it's time to breathe and you know do what I can do (laughs) and that obviously looks like to someone taking the biopsy oh she's fine because your wee little velia are up and about and absorbing nutrients but anyway yeah went in for that that was the very luckily the first time I've ever been to a hospital and been they don't really put you under but they give you that funny drug where you forget everything yeah and it was the first time that I'd ever had that. And I'm like, wow, what an experience. You know, when they, I thought I was a bit scared, but he's like, okay, just count backwards from 10. And, you know, by seven, you're just gone. You're like, whoa. <laughs> and then you wake up an hour later and you're just like somewhere else um, with vague memories of having something stuffed down your throat. I think at one point I was like, I, I was obviously safe, but I felt like I was choking. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened, but you're fine. Okay, cool. And then from that initial biopsy, um, he looked and he said, it doesn't look like you've got celiac disease. Um, and it turns out that I just hadn't been, I just hadn't had enough gluten for it to work. But they took a sample of my stomach, took it away, tested it. And they're like, yes, you do have it. And I found out like a couple of days later, bada bing, bada boom, here we are. <laughs> Two and a half years later, I'm making gluten-free squiggles. <laughs> Which we will get to very soon. <laughs> yes. So then how were you feeling? Like you said that you had no idea what celiac disease was. Were you then, was it then like explained to you? Um, Because of the really short amount of time I had before I was leaving to London, the doctor, I the outpatients unit in Christchurch Hospital was where I had a quick chat with the doctor and I'm really glad I did. Um, my mum was very much under the impression that you know, oh, you can have a little bit, like you should keep, you should keep having a little bit in your diet. Um, so you don't, you know, overreact when you actually accidentally have some. And I was like, mum, no, from what I've Googled, you can't do that. And she's like, no, I'm sure, I'm sure we're fine. And we had a couple of arguments about that. And I was like, right, you, you're coming with me. Just, I know I'm going to ask this doctor if I can have a little bit of gluten. She's like, fine, it's fine. And so I went, and I was like, doctor, can I ever have gluten again? He's like, 
never again can you eat gluten you should never choose to eat gluten it will only make it will just it will it will be worse in the future just cut it out now and you know never go near it again I was like thank you mum yeah she's like okay fine but she does take it very seriously she's just I think she just she didn't know what it was either well there's a big difference between gluten intolerance Mm. and celiac disease I mean, obviously, it's very similar in the fact that you don't have gluten, but it's it's an intolerance as opposed to literally could change your your life Mm. at the end if you have Mm. gluten. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So the symptoms present exactly the same. And I think for people with gluten intolerance, um, having things cooked in the same area or having um, something that may contain gluten is generally fine. Uh, although some people have really strong sensitivity, but it won't negatively impact them in the future. Um, it's just sort of a, it's painful now, which is still horrible. So anyway, um, I did get offered a nutritionist to talk through uh, like what I should be eating and how to not be deficient in things. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there, doc. Like I'm moving to London. Like I have no time for that because the waiting list was like 12 weeks to talk to a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit like, mm, I think having an initial consultation, if you can, like immediately after getting diagnosed would be so ideal for a lot of people. There's a lovely group on Facebook just called Celiacs in New Zealand or Celiac New Zealand. And it seems like that Facebook group is the first port of call for a lot of people who have just been diagnosed or a lot of family members of people who have just been diagnosed trying to understand things because they just haven't got that initial like explanation from a nutritionist or, or a doctor. Mm-hmm. Which obviously, you know, you don't really want to be going to Facebook for all your information, but um, they do have good moderators. So, but it is really good that they can offer you a nutritionist regardless of how long, regardless of how long you have to wait. A lot of countries don't do that over here in the UK. It's bizarre. A lot of people just get told it and sent on their way and you don't get... There's uh, in New Zealand, you can get, I think you can get prescription gluten-free food. It doesn't, I think it makes it a little bit cheaper. Here in UK, specifically in Britain, you can get a gluten-free prescription, but it costs more than just buying the gluten-free food yourself. But in Scotland, Wales and Ireland, in Northern Ireland, you can be on a gluten-free prescription. It's very cheap and you get a load of food. Oh, wow. for For like five pounds or something, you just get like a load of food. Um, which I think is a lovely way to do it because in some other pl- in some other places, especially if you're in a small town, like it might be so hard to find like gluten free staples, mm-hmm. and so expensive, especially here in New Zealand. So much worse in New Zealand than like anywhere I've ever been. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't believe it. Like to see, I know that oats aren't generally considered gluten free in New Zealand, even if they've got gluten free on the label. But some people still choose to eat oats if um, sometimes you just don't react. But to see like a $20 bag of oats and it's like 500 grams, it, I was just like, what the heck? Over here, at least it's only like two pounds or something. Like I still go, oh, this bread's expensive, but it's nowhere near the prices in New Zealand. I just, yeah, I'm very glad I never got diagnosed while I was a student. Like I just, I guess I would have just eaten fruit and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I haven't told the listeners of the podcast yet, but I am gluten-free. I have a gluten intolerance and mm. I have been gluten-free since I was 15. Oh, wow. And that back then, whenever that was, 2000 and something, but I, there was only one bakery in New Zealand making gluten-free bread and they would post it to my parents' house for me in the courier. Oh, my God. 
Where was that bakery? It was KB's Bakery in Hornby. Oh, no way. KB's coming through. Yeah, and it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. But I just needed my, you know, my toast. I just needed it. I know. And yeah, like I was watching your, I was talking about, I'm bringing this up because I was watching your YouTube video about the bread. You were (laughs) tasting different gluten-free breads. Mm. It was really great viewing actually. Um, And I was so taken with the price. I was like two pounds. That's like $4 here. Like. A Vogel's gluten-free loaf is like seven ninety nine. Easy, it's like double A. And that I love that Vogel's bread too. So it's just I, I just don't know how you could budget for it. I think part of it is that food is just cheaper here in general, um, and food in New Zealand's a lot more expensive. But my goodness, you shouldn't have to pay if you can't live your life eating normal bread. You shouldn't have to pay those prices to just you know have a piece of toast. So what? What are your symptoms? Oh. You do have a great YouTube video oh, yes. documenting this when you got glutened. But what happens to you when you eat gluten? So um, about 15 minutes after I start to get a bit foggy, probably first, a bit headachey, And then immediate bloating. Uh, the bloating lasts for days. So uncomfortable. Uh, and then I will feel very nauseous for two to, th- two to three days. Uh, I don't. Unless I ate a whole bite of gluten, I won't be vomiting or anything. I'll just feel nauseous. But I usually, the when I do get glutened, <laughs> I it's because of cross contamination from using maybe a chopping board that someone used to cut bread on. The most recent time was I very foolishly accepted a gluten free cake from a neighbor. You know that big big regrets there. Shouldn't have done it. Like my intuition was like, don't take a cake from. You know, she doesn't know that, like, she may have made it gluten-free, but, you know, her oven, she might have cooked it at the same time with her gluten cake. Anyway, I was like, oh, let's just, you know, throw caution into the wind. <laughs> anyway, so I paid, the, I paid the price for that one. But the one that, the symptoms that last the longest for me uh, is brain fog. I just can't concentrate on anything. Get very tired, very fatigued. Uh, and then for, I'll either get diarrhea or constipation and the constipation usually lasts for weeks um wow oh god it's just a nightmare it's just like what's well, not worth it that's why people when people say oh you know like a crumb won't hurt it's like girl like do you want to have constipation for four weeks like would you choose like potentially a- accidentally eating gluten from this cake or having constipation for four weeks like what would you do like you know obviously you wouldn't have constipation it's so painful yeah (laughs) and then sometimes yeah it it it, as before I was diagnosed it does yo-yo between diarrhea and constipation which is just so much fun so fun to deal with (laughs) farting a lot of flatulence it could be anything but I think just the best thing to do is just let yourself rest I like to drink a lot of green tea that's not necessarily helpful I don't think there's any research but it's a comfort thing for me some people swear by having charcoal tablets. I think they're a little bit, uh, not enough research has gone into that. I think charcoal is what you have when you accidentally have a drug that you're not supposed to and you need to pretty much strip your stomach of stuff. So I don't know if that's the, mm-hmm. the best way to go. But yeah, just to have a rest. And if you can, like if you if it's a work week and you can go home instead of pushing yourself, I always suggest that. But a lot of people aren't in that position to be able to you know go home and rest do you Mm. get 
pain. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I get I get stomach cramps. Um, it's not as bad as other people get. Definitely not. Um, I get like if, like a I'd say it would be yeah, just you know, gurgly, kind of crampy. Get more pain when I'm constipated, obviously, and <laughs> the bowels when <laughs> it's all painful. Yeah. But not too bad. But I've heard of some people getting just the worst, like sharp pains. Oh my goodness. There's over, I think there's over 300 symptoms associated with celiac disease. So one person's symptoms or one person's glutening in no way can resemble someone else's. Like there are celiacs that are asymptomatic and don't have any symptoms at all. And it's very lucky that they've been diagnosed because they haven't initially needed to go to the doctor to be like, these are my symptoms. It's actually been more of a I'm really anemic and I don't know why, or I'm really tired all the time and I don't know why. So it's, it's people just react anyway. There's so many different ways you can react to it. And I think that's kind of similar with a lot of autoimmune diseases. I think there's just so varied. Yeah. And on the celiac.org.nz website, mm. I think that must be so common. They say that there's about one in 70 mm. New Zealanders have celiac disease, but 80% of them don't oh, know. No, I know. It. It's horrible. It's the same across the rest of the world. That's about the same s- statistic. Um, I think generally in the world, they've sort of gone, it's one in 100, but it's cool that they've been able to narrow that down even further in New Zealand. And if you've got a, if you've got a relative, then you've got a one in 10 chance. Turns out that my whole family needs to be um just tested because not only me but my second cousin and I believe a great auntie also had celiac disease so as you know you should everyone should get tested yeah they say that it can be genetic it can run yes. in the genes so super common in families so common um there's a really interesting test that some people do some people do a gene test um but I think about half of the world has the gene that means that you can one day get it but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily like that you will obviously with autoimmune conditions there is a lot of reasons why they could start but there's nothing definitive but you're right the fact that there are so many people undiagnosed is horrible because a lot of them will be perhaps asymptomatic or have lived with it for so long that they don't know that they can feel any different or that they are experiencing symptoms Mm mm-hmm You can also have celiac disease and live your life and maybe have a few issues pop up here here and there, maybe get osteoporosis as you get older. And you know, that that's, that's it. And you, you never suffer any horrible consequences of it. But obviously there are people that get to the stage where they want to have kids and realize what's not happening. I'm not able to carry a baby to full term. And it turns out that about, I think in the UK, about 5% of otherwise unanswered reasons as to why someone's infertile it is due to celiac disease and they're actually able to diagnose from there. And then the beautiful thing, though, about it is that once you know, you can stop eating gluten and your symptoms will go away and you'll heal again and all will be merry. Yeah, which is so incredible. <laughs> it's very lucky. That's really lucky that yeah. this disease, you know, you can do that. It's so lucky. Like, it's just one thing to take out of your life. A lot of people have um, conditions where they just have to live with it, mm. that they have to live, like, feeling like that. I think one of the most interesting parts of having celiac disease for me was realizing that I have so much more energy than I thought that I ever had. I was just like, 
is this what it's like for normal people to get up and you know I never have coffee like I was like singing like wow it's the morning I'm ready to go I never had that 3 p.m slump anymore I still don't like I was so surprised because I used to I did I don't really like the taste of coffee but I used to drink it and I used to get so tired during those long acting blocks I was gonna <laughs> just say want to fall asleep. do you ever look back at our time at yeah. Mazda and just go oh my god that must have been so easy for people but it was so difficult yeah, I- for us <laughs> Oh my gosh, it would, it's anything, it was anything between two and four, particularly probably music music theory. Yeah, or a big acting class. (laughs) Big four-hour acting classes. And I was just like, there's, I just don't understand how anyone can continue listening. Like I just, my brain went poof. It was like, I could just fall asleep any moment. And so I'd be really interested to see how I would deal with that now. Um, whether it was just um, being insanely bored or whether it was my like fatigue that I had but yeah no I was very lucky like about a week after stop eating gluten I just noticed that I had all of this energy um I woke up 7 30 and I wasn't tired until I needed to go to sleep at like 10 30 it was just it was amazing I was so I was like what wow does anyone know about this people need to know <laughs> yeah it was that was really good you can get glutened with just a crumb mm. or with something that gets contaminated in a manufacturing plant somewhere yes yeah so what does this mean for I know that you've just moved into a new wonderful apartment but Mm. you were living in a house with housemates and I'm wondering what how that looks like how do you do that in the kitchen so (laughs) it's really hard the place I was living previously I had a little bit of an issue with someone that just wouldn't wipe the bench and they only ate bread and pasta just that's it and it would be everywhere it would be in my pots that I would be like can you please not use these pots for anything with gluten in it and I think when you say that people either react one of two ways like oh whoa she's got an allergy I should be really careful love those people um or you can be like oh god like okay a fad dieter like and not take it so seriously and unfortunately the place I lived previously to my other home that I've just moved out of I did have a few issues with someone who did not sort of take it seriously no matter how many times I brought it up and so I just started hiding my pots and plates yeah, <laughs> and my chopping boards. I was just like putting them in my room and not letting anyone use them. Um, but then the house I lived just before this one, uh, I didn't really have any issues. I let people know straight from the get-go that I can't share any pots um, or pans, so I'll just put my stuff here. And if you could, ha- happy, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I was like, happy for you to use them if you're not using gluten. But then again, people don't really know to the extent of what, gluten Mm -hmm. is like some people might not know that it's in soy sauce and so if you think you're making something gluten-free with rice like a stir fry but you put soy sauce in there that's bad for my pots Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah no it was a lot more understanding and I think by that stage when I had an Instagram and my whole life was about being gluten-free they were like okay yeah no this is serious so (laughs) they were very good what inspired you to start how to celiac when did that all begin so in Rome (laughs) in Italy I went on this um lovely trip with my mum to Italy and the food there was so good you could not 
tell that you were eating gluten-free pizza. It was and it was just crazy. I will back that up. I will back that up. <laughs> I've only been in Italy for it's 24 so hours, good. but it was so good. <laughs> oh my god, I remember talking to you about yeah. this actually. Oh my goodness. It's you can't like when you're I'm quite a food orientated person, so anything I do will be about food. The places I go will be about food. What I'm doing generally in the day is thinking about what I'm cooking for lunch, thinking if I can like make a new recipe. So I'm very food centric. And so when I went to Italy and I was like, wow, I can, I can eat things and it tastes good again. Like <laughs> it was like, I'd seen the light. I was like this place. I was initially quite worried about going to Italy because you know that they're famous for pizza and pasta. And I was thinking, oh goodness, that will be the worst place for a celiac. But it turns out because everyone has such a high gluten diet, They've actually got a lot of research and a lot more knowledge about celiac disease because a lot of people have it and a lot of people go like, oh, well, I can't eat this. So in Rome, went to this place. I went to it three times and <laughs> just for a plain margarita pizza. Oh, my goodness. The base was so good. <laughs> and I took a photo and I was like, oh, you know, people need to know about this. A lot of people already do know about it, but that's where, <laughs> that's where my inspiration for my initial Instagram came up. And then... I didn't want to make it just food. I wanted to make it sort of more informative if I could, but just from what I'd researched on like celiac NZ or celiac UK. And so I thought we'll just chuck some facts in. And then just prior to lockdown, it was just sort of, I was doing that, just making facts, taking photos of food. Hadn't really thought about turning it into anything more. Lockdown hit and I was like, okay, so now I feel like I'm extremely separated from my family because all of the flights were just cancelling um it didn't look like you were going to be able to get home easily and I was like all right so I'm probably going to stay here for a bit longer because at that stage I still had a job and I thought what would be something that you know would make me feel a little bit better and I started thinking of all of the wonderful all of the wonderful New Zealand baked food that there is and I think that New Zealand has some of the most iconic and delicious baking like bakeries in New Zealand are phenomenal yeah you can't really find that anywhere else maybe in Hungary there's like pastry shops but the humble New Zealand bakery <laughs> is something you will never find anywhere else in the world especially the pies sausage rolls all of that so I started like going gosh what do I miss the most and I started thinking of specific family members and my my dad used to take me to bakeries all the time and he loves the lamington loves a lamington so that was ended up being the first thing I made I was like oh let me try and make gluten-free lamingtons and that will make me feel like I'm at home and so I made them I was like okay that wasn't that wasn't too bad made them like little pink ones or chocolate ones and I was like yeah that was fun people were like oh cool like something different you know oh New Zealand food or oh well, it's also Australian I can't claim that can't claim lamingtons to be only New Zealand I'll make people angry <laughs> which I did accidentally <laughs> um and then I thought, what's more iconic? Like, what's more just specifically New Zealand other than the plain cheese roll, which people keep asking me to make? I'm like, just roll up cheese and a bread and put it in the oven. <laughs> Very good, though. Although I think that there is onion soup mix in there. So Oh, true. And you can't, and we can't have that. No. So maybe that's that. what you need An to onion do. soup yeah. mix. All right. I'll write that down, actually. <laughs> Um, and then um, that's actually a really good idea because I've got a packet of onion soup that I can't eat in the cupboard that we got sent. Um, but yeah, onion dip, yum. Um, and so I thought, what else is more iconic? What's specifically New Zealand? And then um, I thought biscuits. 
you won't ever find a biscuit culture like New Zealand's, I don't think. Um, you've got your squiggles and your mint slices and your, I mean, sul- those sultana ones that I don't love and your macarons. Um, what else? What else do they have? Those um, wafer, pink wafer ones. Oh, pink wafer. I'm working, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to make them at the moment because they're also very good. You just need to think of that Griffin's box, that one yes. that comes out at Christmas time. <laughs> the 100s and thousands one? Yes, hundreds and thousands. Um, Anzac biscuits, Afghans, all of that. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to challenge myself to see if I can make them as close to the original as possible. And that was so fun. Like just making, uh, what was the first one I made? I think I made mint slices first, another one of my dad's favorites and my old favorites. During this time, bit of a segue, but during this time I actually got coronavirus and I lost my sense of smell and taste. (laughs) Um, And so I couldn't really taste anything that I was baking. and. I used to love mint slices, but mint was a flavor that changed for me since getting coronavirus. And it's still a little bit odd. So when I ate mint slices, it tasted like I was eating garbage. Like I couldn't, I could not enjoy it. I was like, oh my God, I've really messed up this mint. And I was like making people try it. They're like, tastes like a mint slice. I was like, no, like it tastes horrendous. Like you can't, you can't, I'm just going to chuck this whole batch out. And they're like, no, no, it actually tastes good. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? And then I realized that when I was brushing my teeth, I was like gagging because I hated the taste so much. So yeah, it became a lot more of other people trying them. That is deeply upsetting to me. It's horrible. Not only has the coronavirus, you know, (laughs) you were unfortunately made redundant oh yes it's literally ruining ruining the whole world you are stuck over there and there's visas and it's all just an absolute (laughs) nightmare and now you can't taste mint slices (laughs) i actually haven't made them again since because i've been so put off by what i tasted because obviously it's a new virus and there wasn't a lot of research I couldn't just google like when will my taste come back it's sort of as is and when is and i've been reading stories about I don't actually eat meat very often or almost at all, but a lot of people were saying that meat tasted like petrol. And I was like, oh God. Um, so it slowly started to come back. I could brush my teeth without like feeling like I want to vomit now, which is great. Um, so it looks like it will, I'd hopefully fully come back, but there are things that I still eat and I'm like, oh, bananas. Used to love bananas. Now I can't stand the taste of them. Oh my God. And paprika. I used to Random. love paprika. It was all of these things that I was eating while I had it, which is odd. Now I was eating, all I wanted to eat was paprika potatoes, bananas, citrus fruit, um, and the strawberry and raspberry tea, as well as obviously brushing my teeth. And for some reason, the other things that I just can't stand now, it's really odd. Interesting. I'm hopefully in like 10 years time when the inf- when like the research comes out, it'll be like, oh, that's why. Yeah. And then let the people know that we pioneered this research on the That's So Chronic <laughs> podcast. And I honestly wanted to <laughs> hand myself over to some sort of university research lab. I was like, tell me why I can't taste. I was so sad. I actually, because I had it so early on in like March, mid-March, and nothing had come out about smell and taste. I was like, wow, I've really lost my smell and taste. Like that's something that's just completely gone. And it was like almost a month after when people say smell and taste are now one of the key symptoms. And I was like, oh yeah, I definitely had it. (laughs) But yeah, I got quite sick as well. Like it was horrendous. Yeah. Jeez. God, people who, people who, are denying it I just can't understand 
Anyway. Anyway. Well, the biscuits blew up. They blew up. They they were on News Hub, Television 3. <laughs> the journalist Lloyd Burr came over to your apartment in London to interview you about them. This is a big deal. I think that's just because he wanted some. <laughs> he saw that he was like, oh, he yeah, he Oh, he was so funny. Yeah, he tried every single one of the ones I made. And I think I made about five different types of biscuits for him. But yes, that was such a bizarre reaction. So I posted it on the Kiwis in London page, which I think has about 20,000 members. And I didn't expect anything to come of it. I was like, oh, I've made a squiggles recipe. Here, try it yourself. I've obviously made it gluten-free, but it doesn't have to be. Just try it yourself if you feel like you miss them. Um, At this time, I think it was just good luck for me but at this time Sansa which is the New Zealand and Australia food importing company over here where you can get those biscuits and stuff from had completely closed down because of coronavirus so no one was getting their squiggle fix if you will um so I posted it and people were like oh my god like we can make our own squiggles that's crazy and then Lloyd was like can I come over and interview about them I was thought he was joking <laughs> I was like are you yeah okay if you want to sure I'm trying out mellow puffs next week if you want to come over I know and when you messaged me about it you were so chill and calm and I was like Morgan this is it this is happening and you were like I don't know like I don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) oh my god it was so odd but you know I mean a story about biscuits is nice to hear in the news when the world's sort of falling apart I guess. And the squiggle biscuit has just one New Zealand's favorite biscuit. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised. It was a landslide vote, I think. There is there is nothing that shocks that that shocks me about that because it's just it's the god tier biscuit. I think was it was it the honeycomb one as well? It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. It is the best. It's my f- I miss that biscuit. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a baker, so making a squiggle biscuit myself, I'm not too sure how that's going to go. I'm waiting for my mum to do it, or for you <laughs> to come back to New Zealand, or for me to go over to the UK. Yeah. Well, either of those, I'll definitely make you some if you're over here. But the squiggles one is funny because although I posted a recipe about it, I wrote I wrote in the recipe this will take you the better part of a morning because it's such a long process. So you've got to make the biscuit and then they've got to chill then you make the buttercream and that's got to chill and then you make the hokey pokey which by the way no one knows what hokey pokey is over here they just think I'm saying two funny words together (laughs) and then you've got to make the chocolate dip and chill it and then the actual the hardest part is making the squiggle because it's white chocolate and whenever you put anything with white chocolate it tends to just the sugars come out and it just solidifies when you're melting it so you have to be very gentle with how much orange food coloring you put in but then that squirt oh has to you have to have the squiggle otherwise. you have to have the squiggle what's your favorite new zealand biscuit that you've made celiac friendly no oh, that's a really good question i actually think mellow puffs i think they're delightful yeah so good to my eat my mum made me your mellow puff recipe it was good honestly like i can't even i like i don't even think i can take credit for that it's good like griffin's made it like this a marshmallow <laughs> in a biscuit covered in chocolate like you can't go wrong with it you just <laughs> You just, that's it. It's good. You can't even, yeah, I can't improve on that. I'm just copying. I'm a humble gluten-free copier. So there's no denying that you are an incredible cook. Not only do you make New Zealand biscuits, but on your blog, How to Celiac, you also have some really amazing, you know, like dinner recipes. But I'm wondering what eating out entails. How does that work if you literally can't even use the same chopping board? How Mm. do you have trust in restaurants Mm. 
sometimes I just don't. And I know with yeah. coronavirus right now, it's a bit like you know, oh, no, <laughs> no one's going out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I often say that celiac disease is probably the most socially awkward disease because <laughs> you get put in these awkward situations where you have to you have to be the one to ask the waiter a million questions. If you're at a table of friends, mm-hmm. that can feel really isolating and embarrassing. So in regards to eating out, I tend to go to places that are only gluten-free or places that I've tried once and have been fine and I've sort of got more trust into them. Like even some chain places do it really well. Wagamama's over here is really good with their gluten food. They're very like, you know, everything's cooked in the same kitchen, but it'll be, your stuff will be separate, like prepared separately. But in terms of like if the one the one situation I sort of related back to is that when I got invited out for someone's uh, 25th like a BYO party at like a Thai place and I was like this was a new newly diagnosed celiac Morgan and I was like yeah sounds good sure like let's let's give it a go didn't do any research it actually turned out that the place didn't even have a website it was just one of those really tiny little BYOs which I do miss nowadays I do I do fondly miss those um but I went and I was like, oh, like I went to the side and I, cause it was a big table of people and I didn't want to make it about me cause I didn't know most of them. I only know the person whose, whose birthday it was. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to make a faff. And I went to the side and I was like, hi, sorry. Um, I can't have gluten at all. I have celiac disease. Um, is there anything that I can eat here? Is there anything that could be safe for me? And the guy was like, gluten? Like what's gluten? And I was like, oh no oh no, I've come to the wrong place. This, this, <laughs> oh, oh goodness. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, so here I was explaining question. <laughs> I was like, so it's in stuff like soy sauce and noodles and all of that. I know that you guys have rice noodles. Perhaps I could have some of them. Like, would you be able to c- cook it in a separate area without soy sauce? And this guy was just like looking at me, like had no idea what I was saying. He went back to the kitchen, kitchen had no idea. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh. So they ended up, I don't know if, gosh, it was so long ago, but they ended up sending me something out. I think it was like steamed vegetables and rice noodles or something. So, so plain, no sauces. And I was like, oh, great, cool. I'll just eat that. And they put it down on the table and someone else ate them with their wee fork that they'd been using for like other other gluten foods. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I won't eat tonight. That's fine. (laughs) It, It does take a lot more planning than I initially thought. Like, I don't think, uh, many celiacs, many seasoned celiacs will just wander into a restaurant without prior research into the menu or if they can do gluten-free, um, which is why I think Instagram is actually a really good resource for people who are gluten-free or have celiac disease because you'll get the most accurate information from people's own experiences and people who are, have celiac disease can be like, yes, this place, while this place isn't fully gluten-free, they've dealt with my order really well they had a strong understanding of what celiac disease was Mm -hmm. and that's what you want to that's we that's the places you want to go to yeah and also another problem that people tend to face is that they don't want to be that picky person and they don't want to make a fuss and that's totally understandable um so you can look at that one of two ways you can either embrace it and be and be like I'm gonna have to be very assertive which I think is a good way to go but if you if you're not the type of person that is like that and that's really hard for you then it's totally okay to also do your prior research and go off to the side with the wait the waiter like some people can sit at the table and be like like 
I have celiac disease, this is how it is, um, and then fleece the questions that come from other people on the table. I don't, I don't love to do that. I think I spend enough of my time talking about celiac disease online that when it comes to eating out, I like to go out with people that are gluten-free as well. Yep. Or like my partner who just gets it, you know, yeah. from living. There was a really beautiful moment that I think I'll remember for the rest of my life. I'm not sure if you remember it, but when we went out for Mexican food in London, mm-hmm. The waiter was like, oh, okay, so gluten-free. And he looked at me first and he was like, so what is it? Is it like just, you know, your diet Mm. or will it, you know, will it really affect you? Are you celiac? And I was like, oh, no, like a little bit of gluten won't kill me. And you were like, it'll kill me, though. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, all right, celiac for the whole table. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, Yes, I remember. I do really appreciate places that have they understand the different severities of gluten yeah freeness yeah I, I think that it's really wonderful that people can be trained I think that if you work in the hospitality industry that that should almost be something that everyone is trained in food allergies not just gluten not at all yeah but every food allergy how to pre- like knowing if it's prepared in the same way having a full understanding of how things are cooked it's a lot to ask from people that maybe do it as a part-time job or as a student but as long as someone someone has an understanding like a manager or something I think that's quite important uh, I used to work I used to be a waitress and I think this is why I got celiac disease <laughs> I think I was cursed so someone I worked with had celiac disease another waitress and I was fascinated I was like wow that's so interesting I asked all those annoying questions what can you have can you have potatoes can you like what's what's good and she sort of explained how separately her food needed to be cooked so I did have a little bit of understanding but I actually never connected that that's what I had until well after for some reason but anyway a a guest came in and was like oh I have celiac disease and instead of me what I wanted to say was like oh don't worry we can look after you because another waitress has celiac disease I said oh don't worry I've got celiac disease so I totally understand you and then then I got it (laughs) so fair enough I shouldn't have lied oh it was so funny that I was like, oh amazing. yeah, well, I guess I deserve that. That's karma. <laughs> I could honestly talk your ear off about your celiac disease for many more hours. We could talk about food for years. But I'm conscious of the time. Oh, wow. I yeah. mean, all everything that you've been saying, I think, is really inspiring. And I want everyone listening, especially if you have celiac disease or you've just been diagnosed, that I know how scary it can feel probably especially for traveling and I know that no one's traveling at the moment Mm. but Morgan has traveled to a (laughs) lot of places and she finds the most incredible celiac food Mm. I'm thinking about them now so it is possible isn't it it is possible to live a really good life (laughs) yeah you could go to the places where you think oh there's no way that I could eat here and there will be some little gluten-free place it's just the we're just lucky if you're getting diagnosed now it's nice to know that we're sort of in a more um, accepting place of gluten-free living because back in the day like 20 years ago not only was it incredibly expensive no one knew about it there were no places to cater for you and so if you if you're someone that's quite social and want to go out for dinner with people like that would have been horrible some people have some people choose just to never go out again, which I totally understand. You just, yeah. But nowadays, 
there are resources and there are so many travel guides to about being gluten-free like you could I went to Japan last this time last year and I thought oh it's going to be really tricky but Tokyo was some of the best food I've ever had like all of those things that you think you'll never have again like soba noodles and gyoza and ramen and oh my goodness I ate so well there and I would just I would recommend Tokyo to any gluten-free person if you're really missing dumplings and gyoza and stuff like that you just yourself to Tokyo bit expensive but (laughs) if you want good dumplings that's where you've got to go yeah we're very lucky to be living in this world today that is a lot more accepting of gluten-free diets and it can be done and I while it does take a little bit of getting used to don't let it change your plans or don't let it put you off traveling or put you off trying new experiences it takes a little bit more preparedness bring snacks wherever you go regardless always have a muesli bar in your bag because otherwise like me like many times I get hangry and then I I get upset I can't find anywhere to eat and then I'm it's the end of the world it's not the end of the world just bring a muesli bar and you'll be fine (laughs) and follow at how to celiac on Instagram and check out her blog because then you'll have all the information yes absolutely I think the the one important thing that I just like to get across is that if you think that you might have celiac disease or if you think you're struggling with gluten before you take gluten out of your diet see a doctor because you don't want to have to take it out of your diet and then a year later have to re reintroduce it because it's a horrible experience so if you are having problems with your bowels or you have someone in your family that has celiac disease just go get tested I think they're leaning more to just doing a single blood test these days so you might not even have to get the stomach biopsy <laughs> but just might as well and then it will save you down the future and yeah and it's and if you have it it's not the end of the world you can make your squiggles and you can still have your you can still have all the good food you just just takes a little bit more being prepared and to conclude morgan mckenzie moore what is your favorite food do you know what probably potatoes (laughs) nice roast roasted potatoes i'll eat them for for days yeah, roast potatoes. What is yours? Pizza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, there's a lot. Of, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> nachos? Can yeah. I also say uh, nachos? But if we're talking about sweet, then I love apple pie uh, and peach cobbler. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, wait. Hold on, because then you have to say squiggles and mellow. Oh, it's too hard to choose. <laughs> Strawberries. I also, eat, I also eat fruit and vegetables. <laughs> Just if anyone's like, wow, <laughs> this person doesn't eat anything helpful, healthy at all. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Morgan. (laughs) That's all right. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about celiac disease. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of That's So Chronic. While I will always try to publish correct information, I am still learning and understand that the world of medicine is constantly changing. If you want to reach out, you can find me at That's So Chronic on Instagram. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please press subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, and tell everyone you know. That helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope.